Welcome out to Vibe City Church, where you are loved, you belong, and you matter. Look, our church, we are on a mission to help you know God, um, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. Um, this month is a huge month for us. We are launching our new small group semester. Um, we have four amazing groups here. Yeah, that's right. We should give God some praise for small group. Small group is so important to us, and I've, I've been on record saying this in the past, and I'll say it again. I believe that our small groups are more important than even Sundays. Um, and I'm, I'm not, that's not to speak lightly of Sunday. I really believe that Sunday has a, a very important um, role in our lives as Christians, but I really believe that, that small groups, it's, it's, freedom happens in the context of community. And uh, we, try, we try hard, we fight hard to get everybody involved in small group because life change really happens. Uh, you know, um, James um, talks about in the Bible um, that, you know, that, that, that God will forgive us, um, but, but we're actually healed when we're actually able to confess to one another. Um, and so a lot of people are walking around forgiving, but you're not healed because you haven't had an opportunity to open up and share and have people pour into you and deposit into you um, the things that you really need in life. And um, we want to do everything in our power to do life together. Um, nobody is designed to do life alone. We want you to understand what it could be like to have other healthy individuals pouring into your life, speaking into your life, praying for you, encouraging you, and then we can open up the word of God together and be able to consider what is God saying to us and how do we continue to encourage one another unto greatness. You are made for greatness you need other great people around you to be able to share in that greatness together. So we have a men's group that's going on on Tuesday night. All my men, can y'all make some noise? Yeah. I knew it was going to sound something like that. Um, I knew it going in. It was going to be like, yeah, yeah. Um, all my ladies, make some noise. Every time, every time. I knew it was going to sound like that. Um, but so we have a, we have a men's group <clears throat> that takes place on Tuesday. There'll be Tuesday nights at 630 um, in Las Colinas area. Um, so if you are a man, I want you to be there. We need each other. Um, I believe that um, all too often, men, we have great expectations placed on us. But I want to take some time just to say, men, you are valued that I appreciate you taking care of your families, that I, t I appreciate you going to your job and taking care of business. I see you, men. And I want to spend some time being able to recognize the gift of God that's on the inside of our men. Um, and I want to help to inspire you on to more greatness. And I think collectively we can do that for one another. Amen? Um, also, we have a single moms group. Shout out Donnie real quick. Where's Donnie? <laughs> She's outside serving. Um, Donnie's amazing, y'all. If you're, you are a single mom, I strongly recommend this group for you. Hey, can we set out some extra chairs, y'all? Can we get some chairs? Praise God for growth. Amen. Um, um, also, um, we have a single ladies group. Single ladies, make some noise. Y'all don't be shy about it. Nah, I'm trying to help you. I'm just saying. You never know who's in the room. You never know. Um, 
But we have a single women, single ladies group um, that is going to um, be taking place as well, too. We've got some amazing women that are spearheading that group. We're really excited about that. Um, and then we have a, a married women group, all my married women. Can y'all make some noise in the building? Yes. Um, my wife will be spearheading that group. It is going to be awesome. So make sure to stop by our Connect Hub immediately following service so that you can get signed up for a small group. I'm telling you, it'll be a game changer in your life. Also, I've got one more announcement for you guys. So we went into a fasting, a prayer and fasting season. I just want to share what you got, with you guys what the power of fasting and praying will do. Um, so as a church, um, I, I had a whole like prayer list of what we were believing God for in a church. And um, we were praying and we were believing God that um, we would be able to, to have a budget-friendly uh, venue. So right now you can kind of see that like we're getting cramped in here, right? Um, and so we were praying that we will be in a space where we can seat at least 150 people. We will be able to keep all of our equipment um, housed in the, into this place. We would have good space for children's ministry. It would be a prime and central location just like this one. And we've been praying for this for, man, probably about a year and a half. And so I'm going into this prayer season like, all right, God, if you're listening, like, right? And, um, and so we've just been praying for this, um, praying for breakthrough. And um, I have just received a contract on the building that's right across from this parking lot that gives us all that opportunity. Can we give God some praise? Come on, we'll be able to grow. We'll be able to have such an easier time. Um, our Vibe team will have such an easier time. Um, I want to just publicly again say thank you to Daniel. Daniel's been getting up before anybody on our team going to get our trailer and coming here and unloading. And all our team that gets here at 7.30 in the morning to help us to unload. Well, not only will we be able to have church right across the way, but we'll be able to keep our trailer stored. Um, across the street as well, too. So everything Vive will be right across the street. And I'm just going to tell y'all, like, yeah, we're going to celebrate this one, but God's going to give us a building. God is going to give us our own building. So as we continue to pray and believe God and so, listen, as we do this, God is building his church. Amen? Amen. Anybody ready for the word today? Well, hey, so, man, um, I grew up in the R&B era, okay? Like, I'm an 80s baby, but I grew up in the 90s. Anybody? Anybody? Come on, boys to men, anybody? Jodeci, anybody? I might have lost a couple on Jodeci. We all know Casey, JoJo, like we, yeah? Okay. Yes, Brian McKnight's another one. Come on, Keith Sweat, like, come on, right? So, like, some of the greatest love ballads were written in the 90s, in my opinion. I'm probably biased, um, probably biased, but some great love ballads were written. But I wonder why um, there's been such a, 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 such a, 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 um, a discrepancy between the love ballads that were written and the marriages that we have today. So there's, there's, so I want to I kind of run some stats by, by you as a, as a church 
real quick. So um, it's kind of good news. So the divorce rate is actually down 18%. Like somebody ought to celebrate. Like the divorce rate is down, right? Um, so um, this, prior to this, this, this decrease, the divorce rate was about 50%. Um, and that's, that's pretty like disheartening. Um, but now it's 32%. But it's not all good news. Um, because as the divorce rate has decreased, so has the number of marriages. So who do we have to blame for this change? Well, you guessed it, millennials. Uh, you're welcome. <laughs> um, but it's millennials because, um, so, so here's what's happening. Millennials are not getting married. Millennials are taking longer and longer and longer and longer to decide, is you really it? Like, is you really, is you really for me? Like, like millennials are, we have seen so much heartache in relationships. We've seen our parents, um, you know, we've seen their marriages, and maybe if they're still married, maybe we don't like what we see in their marriage. And I'm like, ah, I don't know if I want that. And then, and then we've seen, on the, on the other side, we've seen divorce, and we've seen separation, and we've seen infidelity in so many people that we know, and the role models that we're supposed to be telling us how great marriage is. And so now millennials are like, ah, like, I don't know if I'll marry you, but I'll live with you, though. Seriously, so, uh, so, so in the last, like, 12 years, cohabitation has risen 29%. 29%. And, but, but, I mean, can we, really, like, can we really blame why people are doing this, though? Like, can we really, like, cast, cast stones at people who cohabitate because of the hesitation of the big step of committing in marriage? But here's the trick, though. Um, the uh, New York Times actually came out with an article several years ago um, about um, the uh, cohabitation effect that people who cohabitate after they get married, or once they do get married, they're less satisfied in their marriage. So what do we do? Well, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Relationships and Bible. Welcome to Relationships and Bible. I am going to do my best to be able to unpack what God's Word says about relationships. And in the greatest in the great words of the great theologian, Keith Sweat, um, we're going to make it last forever. Um, let's go to Matthew chapter 33. Or I'm just Matthew 33. Matthew 6, verse 33. Matthew 6, verse 33. Listen, I really believe that it is... It is attainable for us to be able to have um, healthy relationships. And I, I'll dare to say, um, you have a healthy marriage. You learn to have a healthy marriage. You put yourself in a position to have a healthy marriage before you're, you're ever married. I'm going to say that again. Like, you put yourself in a position, like, a healthy marriage starts before marriage. A healthy marriage actually starts before dating. Um, a healthy marriage is when two healthy individuals come together. So in order for you to have a healthy marriage, you got to be healthy first. Amen? 
Um, so I, I really want to put that out there. And look, like, don't let these statistics that we covered. Look, if you've been divorced or if you've been separated or if you've had, you know, different situations, you know, in your life arise that have complicated your life, listen, it is okay. It is only by the grace of God that any of us are where we are today. And um, I, I want to say that there is no condemnation to those that are in Christ. If you are in Christ Jesus, you have no reason to feel ashamed about where you are in life today. God's best days are ahead of you. Amen. Amen. Um, so Matthew chapter 6, um, verse 33, it says, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Now, my, my beautiful bride and I, we will be celebrating 10 years of marriage next month. Like, cannot believe it. God has been so faithful. Now, look, I'm going to just say, you know, sometimes, like, she acts like a heathen. And I'm like, I, she's not here right now. Um, what happens in vibe stays in vibe, Right. Um, but no, I mean, but sometimes like our marriage is not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. We have days where we feel madly in love with each other. We have days where we question our love for each other. Um, we have days where like I'm amazing. And then I've, we have days where I'm, I'm terrible, like I'm, I'm the, the worst guy to be married to. Um, and so it's just, it kind of goes with the territory. There's going to be times where we fall short and we're not exactly what each other needs. So what keeps us together? What's the glue? Christ is the center of our relationship. But not only is Christ the center of our relationship, he's the center of our lives. And so this is the, the, the concept that I want to introduce to everybody here today based on Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, that Jesus has to be first. He has to be central. Um, Colossians um, chapter 1 talks about how Jesus is preeminent. That means that he's first. He's first. He's before all things. He's ahead of all things. He keeps everything together. He is the center of all things. So everything in our world should center around Jesus. Everything in our lives, um, our, our marriages, our dating relationships, our finances, our, 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 the way that we raise our children, it should all orbit around Jesus. It says, but, but, it says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Well, the word righteousness, we can actually paraphrase it and we can boil it down to this. It is Jesus's way. That Jesus has a way for every area of your life. He's got a way for you to raise your kids. He's got a way for single moms. He's got a way for dads. He's got a way for your marriage. He has a way for every area of your life. So you, your definition of a husband, you don't get that from what your daddy said. You get that from what Jesus said. He has a way for you to be a wife. So you don't, you don't get that from what your girlfriend said she did in her marriage. No, scratch that because I don't want that. Like, praise God for what you and your man got going on, but I don't want that. Jesus has a way for our relationships, and we've got to seek his way first. Jesus has to be center 
of our lives. He's got to be the center of our relationships. So now let's, let's break this down um, even more. So let's look at the word seek. The word seek actually means to inquire and to desire. It means to inquire and it means to desire. So here's what it is. So this is me as a man every single day. Lord, um, you know, I want to I make sure that I make the most of today as a husband. And I'm inquiring, how do I show my wife that she means as much to me as, as, as I, I really think that she, she does? How do I demonstrate my love to her? How do, I, how do I shepherd her? How do I nurture her? How do I show her who sh- uh, how valuable she really is? And how can I show her that I believe in her? How can I show her that she's the best woman that I've ever met? How can I show her that I want to spend the rest of my days with her? How do I do that? And what am I doing? I'm inquiring God. I'm inquiring God. And then once God tells you what he, does, what he wants for you and what his way is, now our inquiry changes to, now I desire your way. So we inquire from God. How do we, how do we be the husband that we should be? How, how, how do we become the, the wife that we're supposed to be? How do I become the, the significant other that I'm supposed to be? And I'm going to just kind of put it out there. Look, when you date God's way, you don't date just a date. Come on. We don't date just because Valentine's Day is coming up. And like, I just, I don't want to be lonely. Like, listen, I'd rather you be by yourself than with somebody that would be destroying yourself. Like, you have to make the determination and make the decision that, man, like, I want to be in a spot. I want to be in a situation where I get God's best for my life. Like somebody that's, you don't just date somebody to be around somebody. You want to date somebody with the intention of finding out. Dating is the resume process. Dating is the job interview process. Dating is first and second cuts. All of my sports heads. Like dating is like trying to figure out like, Are you really the one that I'm supposed to give myself away to? Like, that's why we date. And so when we inquire from God, like even when you're in the dating season or in your single season, you ought to be inquiring God, God, is this my season to date? Come on, I'm trying trying to set you up for something great. Like, like, you ought to be inquiring to God, like, God, when is it the appropriate time for me to bring my significant other around my children? Because God has a time for that. Just because you dating and you, ha- and you have children don't mean that he automatically supposed to be in your kid's life. Y'all better say amen up in here. Listen, like we have to inquire God, like every area of our lives and our dating, we've got to inquire God, what do you have to say about this? And then I want to allow my relationship to orbit around what you say. Because it's too many times like we have to end up praying these prayers. Y'all know these prayers that I'm talking about? Well, God, like, like it's, 
everything all jacked up, Lord. Like, I need your help. <laughs> and God is like, look, man, like, I got a system that if you keep me first, if you keep me first, then I'm going to add all of the things that you want to your life. That's what this, this scripture is actually saying. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these things will be added to you. But we keep going after things, and we keep going after relationships, and then we want to invite God into the things that, we already, that we've already given ourselves away to. So listen, before we give our, our, ourselves and our focus and our attention away, to the things, let's focus on what God's will is. And then when we understand, after we've inquired his will and we've discovered his will, then we need to, des- we need to desire his will more than our ways. So come on, single people. I know your body talking. I know your flesh talking. I know you have needs. But listen, can you yield your needs to God's ways? Because the reality is, and we all know it, that when we give our bodies away, things get confusing. I got some, mm, mm, mm. I ain't getting no amens. I got some, mm, mm, God. So listen, we have to be in a situation where we like, you know what? I didn't try it my way, and it don't work. Can we, I mean, like, come on, like, all of the stats that I just read out, like, our ways don't work. The more we keep trying, and, and like millennials, like we're the perfect example of like our ways don't work because we think we smarter than, we, we think we can beat the system. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah, um, I'm not going to get a divorce. Mm-mm. I'm going to just take a long time getting married. I got it figured out. Like that's not the answer either because now your flesh is wanting to do what it was designed to do, but you keep waiting too long and then you end up in sin. Oh, boy, that was, listen, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, shots are being fired all over the place. It wasn't supposed to go like that, I promise. But it's truth, though. It's so true. Um, so look, check this out. Having a Christ-centered relationship means that you have a relationship centered on love. And love always seeks to give the advantage of the person that it's in a relationship with. What if we had marriages that were centered around real love? Come on. I got a song in my head right now. Real love. Come on. Like, what is it, though? Because we all searching, like, what is it? Like, tell me, like, what, what is real love? Like, how can I have access to real love? Well, I'm glad you asked that question because I'm about to let you in on what that is. We're going to look at five ways to make it last forever. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Come on, I hear somebody still singing Mary J right now. (laughs) So um, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and I'm going to start at verse 4. It says, love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud. So look, the first thing I want to unpack, number one, five ways to make it last forever. Number one, love is patient. Love is patient. Anybody good with a lighter? Anybody? Y'all looked up like, what, Pastor? <laughs> Can anybody good with a lighter? Can anybody? I'm going to need your help in just a second. In just a second. 
Thank you so much. Because I'm a burn, I burn myself. I would. I didn't smoke coming up. I'm sorry. Uh, that was shade too. I shouldn't have said that. Because it did, and it. I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have said that. Mm -mm. Nope. Forget I even said it, y'all. All right. So love is patient. Love is patient, right? Um, so look, I want to break down what patience is real quick. Um, it says to be mild and slow in avenging. Man, come on, like, like, like it's mild. That means that it's even killed, that it's right in the middle, it's steady. Patience is steady. Patience don't go like off and then come back down, I'm sorry. Patience is even killed. Like whether Bay is like being the best like that she has ever been or he has ever been, like, like patience stays right in the middle. I love you the same. My love don't change. My love don't change. Like, like even, even when I'm not feeling the best or even if, you know, even if like all of my needs aren't being met right now, I, I, I love you the same. I love you the same. But like that's what patience is and love is, love is patient. Love is even killed. It is mild. And then it, it does, it's slow to avenge. That, that means that like I'm not trying to retaliate when you did something that I didn't appreciate you doing. Come on. And then look, here's another definition. It means long suffering. Now, man, like you didn't left the toilet seat up again. It's long suffering. Somebody felt that. Your shoes in the floor again, and it's long, long suffering. You got toothpaste in the sink, and it's long suffering. It's long suffering. That means that it'll suffer long to prove that I love you. Come on, man. It's long suffering. And then get this it's slow to anger. And then watch this last part it's slow to punish. How many marriages get in trouble because one spouse is punishing the other spouse? And then that other spouse is tired of the way that they're treated. And then they begin to look outside of the marriage to get the love that they should have gotten at home. Somebody say, Jesus is Lord. Like, man. So, but check this out, though. So here's the perfect picture of patience. Right? Um, brilliance, can you, can you help your boy? Thank you so much. So now let, let's, let's check this out, right? So here's the, the perfect picture of it. You can go ahead. You can go ahead. Light all three of them, too. Light all three of them. It smells good. It smells really good. Um, so check this out. Um, Here's, here's, here's what we need to really look at. Um, yes, thank you. So candle versus firecracker. Candle versus firecracker, they're both exposed to heat. One has a very short fuse. The other has a very long wick. One, one uh, uh, you know, upon getting lit, explodes rather quickly. The other, the longer that it's lit, the sweeter it smells. Patience is the candle. Relationships that end up in divorce is the firecracker. 
we've got to be in a position and we've got to be in a place where we, we say, you know what, I'm going to allow my suffering to be long so that my love can last in my relationship. And how about this, single people? Like, when this is a perfect picture of your flesh while you date. You're going to be exposed to heat. You're going to want what you want. But can you be long-suffering for the one that you say you love? Come on, church. Y'all, I'm preaching way better than y'all saying amen right now. So, look, we want to be a people, and I'm going to commonly this burning, too. It smells good. I'm going to put it down here, though. Is that making y'all nervous? That's making y'all nervous. <laughs> I felt it. I felt it. I felt Mishi at home saying, that boy need to move that candle right now. I felt it. Um, so let's, let's, keep, let's keep going. Um, let's look at verse 5. It says, love isn't rude. It does not demand its own way. It's not irritable. I think I stepped on two toes right there. Um, and it keeps no record of being wronged. So I want to I wanna, I wanna unpack this just a little bit. It's not rude. So how, especially guys, like, how do we talk to our ladies? Like, are you short with them? Like, the Super Bowl is about to be on, right? And, like, I can almost guarantee it, like, my wife going to have something important she needs to tell me either right before the game come on, during the game, during half, like, so, like she's going to, listen, well, it ain't going to be during the halftime because she don't want to see the halftime show. But, but she might, first quarter, second quarter, she probably going to want me locked in at some point. And I got a choice to make. Now, am I am I gonna am I gonna value my wife, or am I gonna value the game? <laughs> right. And so here's the the question that that we all have to answer. And, and you know, are, are your words seasoned with grace when you talk to your 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 wife, your girlfriend, like whoever she is, your significant other? Are your words seasoned with grace? Do you take your time with her? Are you always rushing through conversations because you irritated? Come on. And ladies, like, when's the last time your neck was rolling when you had talked to Bay? Like, because you weren't appreciating how he was late when he said he was going, whatever the case may be. Like, was your finger snapping? Was like, like your hand going, was you gesturing a little too much? Huh? Because it goes both ways and like, look, I'm telling you, like, when you recognize that your relationship is a garden, you're going to water that garden well. You're going to plant the right seeds in that garden. And you're going to be patient with that garden. And you're not going to yell and scream at that garden because that garden is going to produce the very thing that's going to give you life. So we have to be in a space where we never allow ourselves to be rude. And then here's my point number two. Love does not demand its own way. Come on. Love does not demand its own way. Look, how often do you fight your will so you can give your spouse their way? Come on. 
Like, we all got a will. We all have desires in a relationship. We all have needs in a relationship. We do. But the beauty of marriage is the same beauty that we experienced when we came to know Jesus. Jesus came into this world not to be served, but to serve. And when we have a Christ-centered relationship, we have this whole idea of, I'm going to lay down my life for my spouse. So that whatever my spouse desires is what I'm all about. You, you ask me why we're still together after 10 years? Look, we was married young, right? Like, like, like when you, when you are, are in ministry and you saved and you, accru- you get married young. You get married real young. Okay, let the church say amen. Let the church say amen again. Right? Like, so we were not playing. Like, were we, were we, like, the most qualified to be married? No, absolutely not. But we had this one thing in mind that we are going to do our best to outserve one another. Wonder what would happen if husbands and wives would say, I'm going to wake up every single morning with the sole mission of outserving you more than you serve me. You talk about... A healthy marriage, you, you go beyond healthy marriage, you would enjoy your marriage. When you make your spouse the priority, you're going to have an amazing marriage. But, and I guarantee you, somebody's sitting here thinking, well, how I know that they're going to try to outserve me too. <laughs> Somebody thinking it right now. I ain't going to point no elbows. I know by the Spirit of God. <laughs> Listen, like if we all had the mentality, man, like, look, I don't I don't no matter what's happening in my life, no matter what they did, no matter what struggles we're experiencing right now, my sole mission is to outserve them. I'm not going to look like if if she if she's being a blessing to me, I'm going to be an even bigger blessing to her. And then at night, we can, we can lay down and joke about, no, 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 I did it better. No, I did it better. Like, you know how amazing your relationship would be when, like, you, and then if you know that she outserved you, that the next day, oh, man, I'm about to trump that. Like, I wonder how amazing our relationships could be instead of demanding that your spouse meet your needs. That, just, that just, just sucked the whole spirit of God out the room right there. Because when we make it that my, my, my spouse has to out, like my, you better have, you know, you know that I want it. You, you know, like it's just, it doesn't work. It makes it miserable. I don't want to be in that. Nobody wants to be in that. But when we have the mindset of, Man, love comes to serve. That I get to serve my wife. I get to serve my husband. That I, I, I'm, I actually have the privilege of taking care of, of, of my wife. Now, I, I had to put this in practice this week. So, um, Briley came home from church last week, and she was burning up. And, and anybody that knows me, I'm a germaphobe, Right? Like, I don't care who you are, if you have germs, you stay away. Like, I don't, I don't want them, right? Um, and so, Briley came into our room um, late last, I guess, Monday, wee hours of Monday morning, 
And she crawls up in the bed next to my wife. And I was like, get, you got to get her out of here. You got to get her out. And I know it seems harsh, but really my intent was because my wife's pregnant. So I'm like, she's got a fever. So whatever she has going on, you can have it too. And I can't have you with a fever. And so like I got Briley, I, I got her back in her bed. I, yes, I did touch my daughter. I did. I picked her up, put her back in her room. Um, but then I look up and my wife's not in, a, in my bed anymore. Um, you know, some time passed and she's not in the bed anymore. And I go back to my, my daughter's room and she's laying in my daughter's bed. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> right? Um, and so um, needless to say, um, so we took uh, my daughter to the doctor and they said that she had the flu. She had the flu. Um, and so she had a 102 fever. Um, but that's pretty much all that she had. My daughter's a trooper. Like, she's such a trooper. Um, so all she really had was, you know, she just wanted to rest. So she was laying in her bed and everything like that. And then, like, Monday was my wife's birthday. And um, so, so I'm, uh, you know, we had a whole day planned out. And Briley's sick, so that whole day got shot, right? Um, and so then me, she started feeling weird. And I'm like, oh, my God. Like, I told her not to be in the bed and da-da-da-da, right? Like, in my mind, right? Because a wise man, you don't say that to your wife. Um, and so here go me. I'm digging through drawers. I'm digging through, like, boxes and everything like that. Um, and I found a bandana. And I tied the bandana around my mouth and around my, around my nose. And I'm like, okay, I can go serve my family. Um, I'm going to make sure my wife's needs are met. And she's looking at me like, I'm going to kick you in your throat. I'm like, nope. Uh, I'm here to serve you. Uh, um, so look, like my whole point is this, even when you're in spaces, even in when you're in times where like you've, you, you know, you, it may not be your favorite thing to do for your spouse, man, do it, do it. Like no matter what, like do it. Don't be demanding of your own will, lay your will down and serve your spouse. Um, let's look at number three. Number three is, love is not moody. I'm trying to help somebody. Um, love is not moody, y'all. Like, stop being angry. I'm going to give you the scripture right now. Where it says, look, the same verse, verse five, it's not rude. It's, it doesn't demand its own way, and it's not irritable. Irritable and moody are one. That you, like, look, stop allowing your spouse to irritate you so much. Look, everything cannot be that a war has to break out. Like, you're going to have to pick your battles. Like, stop being so moody in your relationship. Because what it communicates is, on the other side of that, is that whatever I do is never enough. And there is nothing more... Um, demeaning to a man than that. If I don't have a blueprint of how I can make you happy, I'll stop trying. It's quiet because I think the Holy Ghost is working on some people right now. So if everything is like, I mean, let's think about it. Think about it. When you were growing up, did you have somebody in your life that always like was demanding on you? and always was like moody and always shifted their mood towards you because of the little things that you couldn't get right and they never paid attention to the things that you did do right? 
How do you feel about that person today? And how do you think that your spouse would really thinks about you if that's the jail or the prison that you put them in? Look, we're never going to be perfect. So don't allow your love to be based on your mood. That was good. That's not even in my notes. Um, don't allow your love to be based on your mood. Your mood, look, everybody has feelings. Everybody has emotions, right? We all have them. But it's a horrible place when your emotions have you. And so what do you do? What do you do with these emotions? What do you do when, like, you just get irritated? And the truth is, I'm irritated, and I want you to know that. Well, hold up. Hold up. So here's the deal. Um, Love is not based on an emotion. I want to unpack this, church. We talking about the God kind of love, agape love. Agape love is unconditional. So love, God's love, is not based on an emotion. It's based on a decision. God decided that he would send his son to die on the cross for us. He didn't say, oh, humanity, oh, my heart breaks for them. I'm going to send my son right now because they're struggling. No, he decided even in their sin I'm going to love them. There wasn't anything lovable about us when Jesus died for us. When Jesus chose to die for us, we were dead in our sins. We, were, we had so much shame. We had so much guilt. We had so many negative vibes and energy about ourselves. But God still saved us while we were dead in our sins. That is a decision that I'm going to hang here on the cross and allow your sins to be placed onto me and allow my righteousness to be given to you. That was not an emotional response on that cross. That is a decision that says, I choose to love you anyway. And uh, check this out, though. When you make the choice to love, then loving feelings follow your choice. So feelings is the caboose of the train, and you can never allow your feelings to drive the train. Your feelings had better fall in line with your decision. Your decision, when you make a decision, I'm going to love this person with everything that I have. And then after you've made that choice and you're faithful to that choice, I guarantee you your feelings will follow. But if you say, you messed up for the last time, Well, listen, you're going to have a hard time in your relationship. You have a really hard time in your relationship. So love is not moody. Love is based on a decision. And when you make that choice and you make that decision, your feelings will follow. Y'all getting blessed yet? Anybody blessed yet? All right. Um, Where we at? Number four. Let's look at number four. I love this. It keeps no record of being wronged. Love does not keep a record of being wronged. So what does this mean? Love does not keep score. Love does not keep score. And if you don't keep score, you never can bring up past events in a present argument. I'm going to say that to this side because I felt like my life was threatened on that side. Listen. If love doesn't keep score, if love doesn't keep a record 
of the wrongs that it has encountered. You never bring up past events in a present argument. I'm going to say it one more time. One more again. I'm a, one more again. Listen, if love doesn't keep score, then that means that we cannot bring up past events in a present argument. We cannot. Like nothing is more damaging in a relationship of somebody bringing up old stuff all the time. Stop bringing up old stuff. Because, and here's the deal, especially y'all who, who, who are dating, if you always bringing up old stuff and you dating, oh boy. Because if you can't deal with the old stuff, get out now. I'm, listen, I'm preaching so good right now. Because the more time that you invest in a relationship, all you're doing is sabotaging it if you keep bringing up things that you never really resolved in the past. Love does not keep record of the wrongs that it has suffered. I'm not keeping score. I mean, think about Jesus. What if Jesus kept record and kept score with us? So if Jesus doesn't keep record of us, why would you keep record of your spouse? Come on. Why would you, it, why would you tell, like Jesus is not, I remember what you did, when you were in 1982, I remember what you did in 1997, and I remember what you did in 2020, and you think I'm going to bless you? Like, no. <laughs> but let's put that in terms of uh, uh, marriage. Can we be real in church? Can, can we be, like, all the way real in church? I remember what you did. I remember what you did last year. I remember what you said you was never going to do again, and you ended up doing that thing again, and you've been irritating me, and da 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 and you think we going to have sex tonight? Jesus. You talking about having trouble in your relationship. Listen, love does not keep score. It does not keep score. Love says that I love you regardless of your past. Matter of fact, Jesus says 70 times 7 per day, I forgive you. But, but I love the forgiveness of God because the forgiveness of God says that I actually throw your mistake into the sea of forgetfulness. I choose not to remember. And then God's forgiveness, it, it, it frees you from the mistake, but it also frees you from the penalty of that mistake. And you talk, you, you, you want, we want to have a, an amazing relationship in marriage, then you better have selective amnesia. Seriously, have selective amnesia. I choose not to remember that you're tripping right now. Um, I'm so serious. And you better get in your prayer closet and ask God for the grace for you to forgive the thing that you just encountered. Amen? And then number five is found in verse seven. Love never gives up. Love never gives up. Love will always fight for the other person. 
no matter how you're acting right now, no matter where our relationship is right now, no matter the struggle, no matter the financial pressure, I will never give up on this relationship. No matter who's tripping around me, no matter the temptation that I am facing as a man, I will not give up on the one that I said I do to. I will never, ever give up. I will not give up to watching porn. I will not give up up to allowing the baby to be all in my face. I will never give up on my relationship. Never. Now, now check this out. When we allow ourselves to look at our relationship through the lens of the cross, all of this is attainable. Because Jesus' love never gave up on us. Come on, when we were dead in our sins, his love was assertive towards us. That even when we tasted his goodness and we turned away from him, and we, we, we opted to live a life that was less than the one that he wanted us to live, his arms still remain wide. And he allowed us to still embrace his goodness and his grace for the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. And the only way that we can do this is to remember the mercy that we receive from God. And if we can remember the mercy that we receive from God, we can give the mercy of God to our spouse and our significant other. And these five things will make it last forever. Forever.